Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, I want to continue a study that we started, uh, I think, back in a couple months ago on what is the Bible. It was part one. So I want to have a little bit of review, touch back on a message that I did in December and move forward a little bit. So in front of me, what you have here is a timeline of history. It's interesting. We think we've come so far, but in reality, if you look at this far side, this would be the creation, Genesis, and this goes all the way through the 1900, about 1899, 1900, and it gives you a time span pretty much of what's happened when the books of the Bible were written, what was happening in other places in the world. What's interesting is that uh, we would call anything before Yeshua's death, uh, B.C., which normally had stood for before Christ. Now, looking up, people want to be more inclusive, you know, more tolerant. It's actually BCE, if you would go to a university or college or even high school, called Before Common Error. And anything after Yahshua's death is referred to as Common Error. And it just so happens that his birth kind of dictates what was before Common Error and after Common Error. But typically, growing up in schools, those of you who are as old as me, you would relearn BC which is before Christ, and A.D., which is Latin for Año Domino, and it's not you're going to go to Domino's annually, but it's a year of our Lord. Año, as in year, and Domino, which is Latin for Lord. So when we see 2022 A.D., it would typically stand for 2022 in the year of our Lord. So just as a reminder, when we talk about what the Bible is, the Bible never refers to itself as a Bible. This is a term that we have coined together. When we look at this book, this is a library. It's a collection of books together. So we really can't say that this is one book, but rather it is a collection of books. And the Bible actually just means the word book. So we have to remember it was written over a time span of approximately 1,500 years. Now, you'll see it covers more. It covers about 4,000 years from the beginning of creation to the death of Yeshua. So we have to remember that the majority of the Bible was written that covering a 4,000-year time period. And what we call the New Testament was written probably maybe a 90-year period. So what we have and what we call the New Testament is just a fraction of the history that we have in scriptures. We know it contains at least three languages. It would be Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, okay. So I say at least three because, remember, the uh, Israelites were taken into captivity in Babylon. They probably adopted the Babylonian language a little bit. It was penned by at least 40 authors, covers that time period of approximately 4,000 years, and it contains 66 books in what we have today. Okay, but we have to remember that Yahweh's word was not bound together in a book like this. Yahweh's word was written on scrolls, all right? So even if you do a search in your Bible for the word scrolls, Even in the book of Revelation, it says, who is worthy to open what? The scroll. So we have to keep in mind that when we see the word book in Scripture, it's not necessarily referring to a book as we think of it today. It's referring to a scroll. So this is a verse that I want to cover. It's Joshua 1.8, and I love this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, when we read this verse in this way, we might think Joshua was holding up a book and say, this book of the law. 
It was never a book. It was more of a scroll. And we see this even in Yahshua's time in what we would call the New Testament in Luke chapter 4. So it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. It says, The Spirit of Yahweh is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor. It's interesting. Today we have the scripture on our phones, on our tablets, on computers. But I think to really understand how scripture is, we need to remember that it was written in these scrolls and how it was used. So it says, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So again, he doesn't say this book or, or this Bible verse. It refers to as this scripture. So again, so we have to remember when we see a collection of books, try to imagine them in your mind as scrolls. Now, we looked at this before, is that the, the Bible as we have it today is not in chronological order because th these writings lap, they cover different time periods, and you can see that through here. I always say, how can you fit uh, books of the Bible in chronological order when they overlap? A and really, the, you, you really can't. So it wasn't until the fourth century that the Bible, the scriptures, were put into a book format. We're very much a linear people. We like things in sequential order, but it doesn't give us a time frame that we really need, and that's why I wanted you to kind of see this chart right here. So as I said, they're not written in chronological order. How the Bible was put together in scrolls is that we had the Tanakh, uh, which would be, we call the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Then you had the prophets, Nevitim, and then you had the writings, which would be like Song of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, etc. That's how typically the scriptures were referred to. It was usually the law and the prophets, and then you had the writings. We can see this in Yeshua himself in chapter 24 of the book of Luke, verse 44. Then he, Yeshua, said to them, These are the words which I have spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So again, we see this throughout the scriptures that's usually the law and the prophets. What's interesting is that when we have our Bibles today, they were actually put in order by size, especially the prophets. For example, you have, we call major prophets, and we have what? Minor prophets. Okay. It's not like Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball where, you know, this team's really good and th th these teams are, they're okay. You know, it's not, it's all Yahweh's word. And just by giving it those terms, we almost like minimize certain books of the Bible like Haggai and Nahum and Obadiah and Amos. And yet it is all Yahweh's words. Amen? So we have to treat it as such. But they were put in the Bible in this order based upon this size. So you had the bigger ones up front and then the smaller ones out back. The other thing to remember is that the Bible itself never calls the first five books of the Bible the Torah. Torah simply means instruction. It's used throughout both what we call the Old and New Testaments as the law. But we like to say the Torah. Genesis, say with me, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They certainly do contain instructions and writings. But Yahweh often said, like Abraham believed, because he observed my commandments 
my statutes, and my ordinances. So we have to contain all of it. Remember that all of it is Yahweh's word. Now, when we talk about these languages, as I covered before, you know, there was Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. Remember, no capital letters, no punctuation, and in some cases, there are no vowels whatsoever. So this is where I just thrive on, on Yahweh's word. So English is very limited compared to biblical languages, and I've covered this before, like when we went over Yahweh's name. Yahweh, translated into English, is Lord, Adonai, Adon, Yahweh Elohim, Adonai Elohim, and even Saran, they're all translated into the English Lord, and we lose the meaning of what these words really mean. Also in Greek, we have at least four words for love, Philea, Storges, uh, Eros, and Agape. We translate those all as the same English equivalent, and we lose the meaning of that. So again, we just have to remember um, that Yahweh's word is very specific to us. And then we looked at author's biases and translation. We have word choices, there's grammar, uh, punctuation. And remember, there were in those scrolls, there were no chapter breaks, there were no verse breaks. That is something that came much, much later in time. So, languages and words change over time. We all speak English here, English in 1611 with the King James Bibles in another country across the Atlantic Ocean was completely different than what we speak right now. So for example, when I spoke on Hanukkah in December, Scripturally speaking, Hanukkah simply means dedication. We dedicated this building at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Justin and Whitney, you dedicated your son, and that was a Hanukkah. So these are actual true images of what Hanukkah means, but we have to remember that we cannot let the 21st century dictate Bible words today. We need to go back and study and apply what they mean. And not only do words change meaning, but images change meaning. All right? I, I, my heart's actually I, I, is, is broken because there is a whole generation of young people who have forgotten that the rainbow is Yahweh's covenant between him and man. And it's a disgrace that uh, it's been hijacked. And this happened in 1978. Yahweh says in Genesis 9:13, I have set my rainbow or bow in the cloud, and that shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. However, I mean, I can tell you, my son, he wants nothing to do with rainbows. Absolutely nothing. Why? Because images and meanings have changed over time. And we need to go back. What does scripture say? The rainbow is a covenant between Yahweh and man. So we have to remember those things and not let, again, the 21st century influence Yahweh's word. And I see that happening. A homograph is a word that is spelled the same, sounds the same, but has a different meaning. So I could say, bring me the bat. You know, hopefully now you're going to bring a creature, you know, that sleeps at night that has rabies. But, you know, there's bat and bat. Scripture has homographs as well. We could talk about the body, like don't touch a dead body, correct, because you become unclean. Or there's also the body, which is a congregation, which is, you know, an assembly. So we are a body. So we have to just remember that when we read the English, we have to go back. What was Yahweh's original intention for us to understand? The other thing that we talked about, too, and maybe in the future we'll talk a little bit more, is that when we read the scripture, we have poetry, you know, which is about 33%. We have historical narratives, which compose about 43%. And the perspectives and discourse, you know, it could be just songs or uh, laments or just a prayer like, uh, like Psalm 51, where David laments and says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. That would be just like a, a, a discourse. He's, it's a prayer. But again, there are influences in, in Babylon. So, for example, um, the word 
Jewish doesn't occur after the exile. But it's interesting that for approximately, probably 3,000 years, the word Jewish or the term Jewish was never used. They were Hebrews. They were Israelites. They were people from the tribe of Judah. They were people from the tribe of Elam. They were Reubenites, you know. But again, it wasn't until after they came back from Babylon, and then we'll find it here later, that you see Jewish in the books of Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther. All those are after the Babylonian captivity. So if we all go to, we were talking at Easter, if we all go to Russia, we might be referred to as Texans. We might be referred to as Americans. You know, we might be referred to as different things. But it's interesting um, that that word Jewish doesn't occur until after the Babylonian captivity. We also have to remember that names have meaning, places have meaning, geography has changed over time. So all of you would say, I am from where? Some of you might say California. And when I go out and about, still, especially when people come to the home, like they're working, the home that we built, especially Shanina, where are you from? <laughs> so where are you from? Uh, and she'll say Argentina originally, but we moved here from California. But if we go to camp in Missouri, and there's people from Illinois, and then there's people from Indiana, we would all be from where? Texas, okay. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there's an error, but sometimes we talk about Abraham, you know, from Ur of the Chaldeans, but then later on he migrated and he moved. So we have to remember that even geography and the names of places have changed over time and where people are from. It's kind of like um, not all Hebrews are Jewish, but all Jews are Hebrew, if that makes sense. Or like not all Americans are Texans, but all Texans are Americans. So we have to keep that in mind. The other thing is that there are varying manuscripts. There's the LXX, there's the Latin Vulgate, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Today's translations are influenced by many different types of manuscripts, like the NIV. So, for example, those of you who read from the NIV, you will not find these verses like Matthew 17, 21, Matthew 18, 11, and so on. But what I love, and we forget about this, is that when we read what we call the New Testament, when you read the book of Matthew, you're looking at 31% of the book of Matthew is what we would call Old Testament scripture. When we read the book of Acts, you see like 23% of it is Old Testament scripture. So it's not even really what we would say new. <laughs> it's just kind of rewritten scripture. Um, and so it's just so important to know. Uh, Blue Letter Bible has it a little bit differently. Um, it tells you the number of verses. If you look at the verse, like Revelation, there's 249 verses having to do with what we call uh, the Old Testament in the book of Revelation itself. So what about other books that are no longer in the Bible? All right. So I've been asked this actually from, from the youth uh, in the dining hall. So we need to look at Acts chapter 17 and use that as our litmus test. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so, okay? So let's put the book of Enoch to the test. And these are just a very few samples of what we can find. So this is from Enoch chapter 67. It says, And in those days the word of Elohim came unto me, and he said to Noah, Thy lot has come up before me, a lot without blame, a lot of love and uprightness. And now... The angels are making a wooden building, and when they have completed that task, I will place my hand upon it and preserve it. And there shall come forth from it the seed of life, 
If that's the case, the proponents of the book of Enoch claim that it should be considered scripture because it was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, then we have to consider everything else. There were so many other writings found. There were rules, regulations, other books. Um, it's just so many different fragments. So I'm going to give you a little, see if this would work. So there were um, hymns, prayers, commentaries. There were even mystical formulas, instructions on baptisms, and even versions of the Ten Commandments. And we have to remember that the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were a collection of writings preserved in scrolls over time that contained, yes, probably, I forget what percentage. I know all of Isaiah is there. Most of the Hebrew Bible is there. But they also have rules and regulations, um, other books, um, as I said, mystical formulas, instructions on how to live, community, community living. So we can't just say that just because all those scrolls were found together means that they're scripture. So, again, and what I've done right now in terms of going over the book of Enoch, I can do exactly the same thing with the book of Maccabees and the book of Jubilees. Taking Acts 17 and putting it to the test to what most of scripture says. So then, keep in mind that uh, when we read Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night. Remember, I think it was last week, Pastor Ferris spoke on Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans to bring you a future and a hope, not for calamity. And it's interesting, when Joshua wrote this, was he referring everything that we have in here from Genesis through Revelation? He was not. He's actually talking about what we would call Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. For if you observe everything in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So again, my point in everything is that remembering are applicable to landowners. <laughs> actually, I see Ben over there. I was uh, driving, and I was driving around Ben's um, property, and I went to visit him, and he's has a beautiful home. If you build a balcony or if you have something exposed, you need to build some sort of railing, right, or guard. Those are instructions that we need to live by. So I don't have a balcony at my house, so that's not applicable to me, but you are building one, and so that's applicable to you. So my point again is that when we look at these laws, once we know them, maybe we can kind of examine uh, different things. But until we've meditated on this day and night, you know, and know it backwards and forwards, I encourage you not to go outside of what we would say is today's canon. For whatever reason, Yahweh didn't preserve certain books, or maybe they were just books that were referenced. But trust me, there's enough here to give me a lifetime of studies, <laughs> a, a, a lifetime of learning and applicability. Remember, his word, what is it? It's a lamp into your feet and a light into our path. And, and with that word, he's going to illumine us. And I don't think we need to go much further outside of what we already have. So may Yahweh bless you. May you uh, just learn and grow as we all grow together. And again, thank you.